Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we talk about the debut of the Tampa Bay Vipers. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko and I am joined once again by David Harrison. Check out everything that we are doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. That's right. Coming to you via cellular device in a traffic jam is David Harrison. David, how you doing, buddy? I missed you. I miss you, too. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm tired. I'm ready for this road trip to be over. So I have one more week ahead of me. But I'm doing well. And, yeah, I've, I've missed doing the show. I've been listening, but I've missed doing the show. So happy to jump on tonight, at least from the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and again, a big thank you to Bailey and Evan from Bucks Nation for coming on and, and kind of filling the void. But, yeah, I mean, it's been a, quite a while since you and I have been able to do an episode together. And we're not even talking about the Buccaneers. Unless there's anything in particular over the past couple of weeks that that you wanted to touch on before we dive into the XFL. No, I mean, I think you guys have done a pretty good job. And, yeah, just to echo what you said, big thank you to to Evan and Bailey for for filling in, even though Bailey keeps taking little pop shots at me while he's doing so. I do appreciate it. And, (laughs) I mean, like you keep saying, I'm not there to stop you from doing it. So, I mean, you might as well take advantage, right? Um I think you guys have done a good job of covering all the bases. I like what you guys are saying as far as, you know, the quarterback talks. And uh, I, I basically agreed with pretty much everything you guys talked about from the Super Bowl, other than the fact that the OPI on Kittle was actually a good call, um, except the only reason it was a bad call is because in contrast to a lot of the missed calls previous to that call, that, that's the only problem I have is that it's the consistency throughout the year. But I think we've kind of beat that drum. Everybody's been beating that drum. But that call, as it stands alone, in my eyes, was a good call. And I really liked it because it also ensured the tie, which earned me $200 for that quarter's score. So, of course, there's no bias in my opinion. But it was a good call. I'm happy they made it. That's the only thing I'll say from what I've missed. You you are absolutely right that by the letter of the law, that was offensive pass interference. But... Yeah. That is that is not something that Michael Thomas didn't get away with seven times in every single game this past season. My big point was in that game, don't call something that ticky tack. That's a rough call to make in the Super Bowl, yeah. But uh, like I said, I think I was more motivated by the two hundred bucks that I was winning at the end of the half there than anything else. So I applauded that call uh, vigorously from my hotel room. Fair enough. I probably would have done the same. All right. Well, David, let's go ahead and dive into a little bit. I mean, this is not going to be anything near what our Buccaneers previews were on Fridays, but it is the XFL debut. It is the debut of a team that will be playing their home games in Raymond James Stadium, that being the Tampa Bay Vipers. So I felt it was appropriate heading into the weekend to talk a little bit about the XFL and I'll kick it over to you first. You know, there's a lot of different rule changes from the XFL compared to the NFL, and a lot of people that might just casually tune in, uh, you know, our listeners included, 
they're they're not going to know what these changes are. But you've done some stuff on the Vipers for BucksNation.com. Uh, is there anything in particular that you want to discuss regarding the the team or the league before we start diving into some of these uh, some of these different rules that we're going to be learning as we go? I mean, really, I'm just I'm just excited to see it finally get kicked off. You know, it, it's been in the works for for a while now. We've known it's been coming for at least, you know, more than about two years and that it was firmly entrenched and, and was happening. And, you know, after, after after everything that went down with the AAF, like I really felt like the AAF was gaining some traction, gaining a following, gaining some fans, and was really a good product with a lot of potential. And then to be to, to see it torpedoed uh, by one of the league owners there, the way that it was just, you know, it's, it's pretty much everything that's bad with the business side of football, I think, today. So I think it left a little bit of a bad bad taste in the in the mouth of football fans. But I really feel like the XFL is set up to be more successful than than the AAF and at least finish their first season, if you know, if not more. Because I think a lot of the the way this this whole thing is funded and the enterprise that they're putting together uh, is just is set up better for for long term success. And I'm really excited to see how it develops over the years into what could potentially become kind of a partner league maybe with, with the NFL. You know, they, they, the NFL has had like the NFL Europe and the World League and all that stuff that they partnered with in the past. So there's a precedence there if this league can gain a following a little bit, show that they're developmental and that they can do some things that perhaps uh, there's a future for it to be tied with the, with the National Football League. So, but before you get there, obviously you have to get this first season started. So I'm just excited to see the first year get get kicked off and, I mean, I've, like you said, I've written a few things for Bucks Nation about the Vipers, and there's there's a lot of our, our readers that are in the comments talking about hopefully they get to see some winning football in Tampa. And, and listen, even though that's kind of a veiled shot at the Bucks, and you don't really want to do that, I mean, listen, if the Vipers are winning, fans in Tampa are going to appreciate it. And I think fans in Tampa will celebrate it as much as, you know, any other fan from, from an XFL city. Uh, so I'm just interested to see what the product's going to look like because, like you said, all those rule changes, it should be a really exciting league to watch in this first year yeah i mean i've already seen some of uh some of the people that i follow or some of the followers on on my twitter and on the bucks nation twitter talking about getting vipers gear i know uh lou from port richie had, had posted about you know he had dropped a hundred dollars on on the team website to get some gear to get ready for the season and in my mind, for those that remember when ESPN did the 30 for 30 on the XFL and you had Vince McMahon sitting down with, um, was it Dick Enberg? Uh, whoever was in charge of NBC and that, you know, they were longtime friends and they, they partnered up for the original XFL that was just an absolute disaster. There was no doubt in my mind after watching that, that Vince McMahon was going to try this again. And I think that yeah. kind of that that special really reignited the the passion that he had to try to make this work. Or, you know, Vince McMahon is such a stubborn individual that he was like, I refuse to have this failure continue to be thrown in my face. So we're going to start over and we're going to do it again. And uh, it, it looks like they're doing it right. You know, that the the original XFL was such a rushed product to try to make money and and capitalize and infuse the WWF at the time, their attitude era into football. You had cross promotion with wrestlers. It was just a complete mess. This time, 
Vince McMahon has done it the right way. He He's hired Oliver Luck. You mentioned NFL Europe. Oliver Luck, of course, used to be in charge of NFL Europe. That's why you know Andrew Luck grew up over there. He has football minds in a position to help this league succeed. And I do think there is potential down the line for this to be the, the sister league where you know they're going to have eventually work out some sort of deal that guys under under XFL contracts can you know opt out and and move to the NFL and maybe XFL guys can have access to some practice squad players or some guys on futures deals with NFL teams especially for these cities that have NFL teams in it you know Tampa Bay New York Seattle Los Angeles Houston all these areas already have teams there so it seems long term like a good idea for them to kind of borrow from one another if they can get that partnership going but David let's go ahead and dive in a little bit to some of the rules changes now do you know any off the top of your head that that you wanted to discuss first yeah I mean I'm really interested I mean the overtime rule I think honestly is the is the biggest one that I'm looking forward to and I think it could be the most impactful, you know, moving forward from a from a total football aspect. Obviously, when the you know going back to the AAF, they had some rule changes or some different rules rather that a lot of people looked at and said those might be you know possible future rule changes for the NFL uh, if they worked out and, and you know essentially becoming kind of a testing ground league that the NFL could then copycat uh, a little bit for their own game. And I think the overtime, the way that their overtime is going to work, is going to be really interesting. And it's kind of what a lot of fans have been asking for 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 a period of time. Um, and the fact that, you know, both offenses get to touch the ball is, is just number one. That's the first thing that's going to attract fans to that overtime rule. And then the extra point rule, actually, I really like the fact that, you know, every touchdown is going to be followed by a play. And I mean, you go from, you know, being 19 down used to be a death sentence, but now being 19 down, you're only down a couple possessions and you could potentially make this into a game real quick. So really it's just going to turn the XFL product into a system where no team is really ever out of it until, you know, they're, they're, you know, a hundred percent out of, I guess if you're inside the two minute warning and your opponent's got the ball and you're down by two scores, then, you know, you can probably call it done, but it's going to be a, a, a situation where you could be down, you know, close to 20 points in the fourth quarter. And if there's time on the clock, there's a chance for you to come back. And then you're just going to make it an exciting product that fans are going to want to watch from beginning to end. Absolutely. Now, the the overtime rule, we'll start with that one. That was the first one you brought up. The overtime rule, think of it, for those that watch hockey, like the shootout after an overtime in hockey. Each team is going to get equal possessions, and the visiting team will start first. So each team's offense will have five attempts to complete a two-point conversion from the five-yard line with each successful conversion being worth two points. The team with the most points at the end of the shootout is the winner. Now, if they're both still tied after those initial five rounds, it goes to sudden death, just like the, the hockey shootouts in, in overtime. Each team gets three attempts. If it's still tied, you go to sudden death. Um, as far as the, um, as far as the point after, plays there are no extra points you can do a one point conversion from the two yard line a two point conversion from the five yard line and a three point conversion from the 10 yard line 
that's going to be incredibly exciting. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that because like you said, you know, a team could be down 17 points with four minutes left, score a touchdown, go for three, and all of a sudden they're only down eight points. You know, they, it's a it's a one possession game now. It it's it's fantastic. Now you may be asking yourself, well. Yeah, they may get get those nine points, but uh, are they going to do an onside kick? Well, they can do an onside kick. However, the kickoff rules are incredibly different compared to the NFL. With the kickoff, uh, the ball is kicked from the 30-yard line, and all of the, the, um, the kick coverage team I guess is is the the term that I'm looking for there. They are going to be lined up on the opposing team's 35. The kick return team, those blockers are going to be lined up at the 30. Neither of those lines can move until the ball has been caught. So it could lead to some really exciting plays if your guy is really, really fast, it can break through that line quickly, or it's going to lead to guys getting absolutely decimated inside their own 10. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And, um, you know, one one other point for for kicks as well as punts, if a punt goes into the end zone or a, a kickoff is a touchback, the ball is placed at the 35. The... Um, the punts are are really, really weird. I, I, I looked this up, and it says, all punts that result in touchbacks will be placed on the receiving team's 35-yard line. Punts that go out of bounds will also be placed at the 35-yard line unless the ball went out of bounds ahead of the 35-yard line. So no more yeah. of these coffin corner punts where you pin a, a team down inside the one. You have to kick it to their return guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, uh, like the angle of it, you know, I, there was something that was referenced. I can't remember if it was a press release from the league uh, that we received or another article that I read kind of about it, but it just kind of talked about how, you know, it used to be that after a touchdown was scored, like that was the prime opportunity, like get up, go to the bathroom or get up and, you know, get some nachos or get a new beer or whatever you wanted to do that. Like if you needed to do something, whether you're at home or in the stadium, that extra point, you know, that extra point period bleeding into the next kickoff and so on and so forth, that was kind of your, your moment. If you know, it wasn't near halftime or the end of the game. And now like, you're going to, you're going to want to stay and you're going to want to watch. And I think it really does. In fact, because I think I mentioned like 19 points, but and 19 points, obviously you're still down more in two possessions because, of the nine-point play, but I mean, think about that. Like, 19 points in the fourth quarter in the National Football League, unless you're, you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you can pretty much call it call it game over, you know. Uh, but, in, but in the XFL, 19 points, you're, you're, you're two scores away from, from, you know, being a kick away from winning that game. And, I mean, it's just the thought process behind it is just is, is really amazing to me. I don't think the NFL would ever get to a point where there's a three-point, you know, extra point try. But no. For the XFL to do that, and for that, that's something that's still fun, and still kind. Of, you kind of think about it, you're like, okay, if the if the XFL were to come back, that is something that Vince McMahon or you know the XFL league that's associated with him would do. But it's not so outlandish, like it's it's not cheerleaders gyrating in the stands, but it's still 
new and fresh and exciting, and I think it's going to add, you know, a, a cool twist to the game. I really like the punt rule, and essentially that kind of encompasses everything they're doing. Like, they're going to be playing football. There's not going to be any of these plays where it's, okay, a strategic kick where you're going to watch the ball float through the air for five seconds and it's going to land and nothing really happens. There's going to be something happening on every play, and if there's not, there are going to be serious repercussions for it not happening uh, against the team that made it not happen. Yeah, and and the last thing that I'll say about the kicks is there there's going to be no such thing as a surprise onside. Teams are required to inform an official that they are going to attempt an onside kick so they cannot surprise the other team because obviously when when the coverage team is lined up what is that 55 yards or or 45 yards or whatever it is in front of the kicker, you know, it's it, it's not possible to really do a surprise onside. So they have to inform official line up appropriately. The other team gets the opportunity to get their hands team out there, all that. So no, no surprises from that aspect. Um, the last couple things that I'll mention, uh, there are no coaches challenges. All challenges are initiated by the booth. Um, and, uh, the, the XFL is going to use a running clock. Outside of the last two minutes of the half or the fourth quarter, the clock will continuously run. The play clock is always at 25 seconds. There was actually a video that the Vipers put out. I want to say it was on their website. It might have been on Twitter. I can't remember now where it showed Mark Tressman stressing to his his team, look, we have to hustle and get on the ball. The guys coming on the field and the guys coming off, you have to move. We only have 25 seconds. So it's going to be a much faster paced game. Um, not a whole lot of, of standing around and, and doing nothing when these play clocks go to 40 seconds. And uh, there will be an official on the field dedicated to spotting the ball in an effort to speed up that process where you're not waiting for you know three referees to toss the ball to one another and get it spotted. There is one guy, his sole job, is to spot the ball. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how players adapt to that because that's not really something that any of these guys are used to is that fast of a, of a pace of play. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, like you said, every, everything that they've done is in an effort to, to force play instead of force strategy and to make things happen in quick succession. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, football is not the slowest sport out there. I think mean, baseball is definitely the slowest sport out there. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe basketball is a little bit slower, you know, with, with the way from basket to basket and so on and so forth. But football is definitely out there as kind of one of the, the sports that, you know, just it, it's not so much a negative, but just from snap to snap and from play to play, especially when you get towards kind of the waning moments of a half or of, of, a, of a game, things can really kind of slow down and, and kind of drag out a little bit. So, I think that's the league is just looking to ensure that people, you know, people are paying or taking time out of their weekend to watch football be played. And that's what the XL seems to be doing is making sure that when you watch their league, you're going to see football played, not football strategized and football talked about and football, you know, it's about to happen. No, it's going to be happening every time you look, you look at that screen, obviously outside of commercials. All right, and before we move on to talking a little bit about the two teams that that we're going to focus on for this weekend, um, 
the the final big difference between the XFL and the NFL, only two timeouts per team per half rather than the three, and halftime is only 10 minutes, not 15. Yeah. I mean, are they – are you even going to go to the locker room? I don't know. You might just huddle up on the sideline for halftime and take a knee and drink some Gatorade or something. I don't know. That's, yeah. yeah. But, again, just there's more – about getting the pace of the game going and just getting it, getting it moving. All right. Well, of course, this Sunday at 2 o'clock, the Tampa Bay Vipers will travel to, well, I guess New Jersey, to take on the New York Guardians. And whoever created the XFL schedule, I think they were also the ones in charge of the 2019 NFL schedule. The Vipers are opening up this season traveling from Tampa to East Rutherford, New Jersey. Then they go back to Tampa, and the next week they travel out to Seattle. So the first two weeks, they have like the longest possible trip of any team in the XFL. So thanks for that, schedule makers. But you have... Hey, if I I can make those trips, they can make those trips. All right? (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, give them them a home game. Don't give them the two longest trips back-to-back. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, but uh, it'll be all right. All right. Well, hometown guy, SEC legend, Georgia Bulldog, Aaron Murray, will be the starting quarterback for the Vipers. Um, He's one of the more recognizable names in this league. I know uh, Cardell Jones is, is excited for his opportunity in D.C. He's another really recognizable name in this league. But... A name that that Buccaneers fans, or at least Tampa Bay locals, are certainly going to recognize is Quentin Flowers. This was a guy that was a dynamic quarterback at USF. He's listed as the third quarterback on the Vipers depth chart, but you know he's going to have his own like packages because he's that quarterback, running back, wide receiver, just pure athlete threat that the Vipers can use in a multitude of ways. And um, former Buccaneer Dante Dye is on the roster as a receiver. He's buried pretty low on the depth chart, but again, another recognizable name for the Vipers. As for the Guardians, their quarterback is Matt McGloin. David, do you remember Matt McGloin? I remember the name. I'm actually having a hard time. Was he Penn State? I think so. It's yeah, because yeah, it is. He was from Penn State. I want to yeah. say he had he had like a cup of coffee in the NFL. I'm trying to find it right now. I was prepared with the rosters and the rules, but I was not prepared for Matt McGloin. Um, there is a photo of him in a Raiders uniform. All right. So he he was with the Raiders from 2013 to 2016, the Eagles and the Texans in 2017, and the Kansas City Chiefs in 2018. Uh, with the Eagles and the Chiefs, he is listed as an off-season and or practice squad member only. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's what these leagues are all about, is giving guys another chance and another opportunity and a new product to reestablish themselves and 
live their dreams. He has a career one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, 11 of each. Um, But he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania, which, of course, is the location of my all-time favorite show, The Office, even though that was filmed in Los Angeles and not actually Scranton. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of sad to be a, a player who made it to the NFL, yet the most famous thing from your hometown is a fictional... Uh, paper company. So that's what yeah, Matt McGloin well, has know, going for him. You might become XFL legend from Scranton, Pennsylvania, possibly. Like Tommy Maddox? Like Tommy Maddox, apparently. <laughs> Do you not remember that Tommy Maddox was the MVP of the uh, the only XFL championship and then he went on to play for the Steelers? I definitely didn't watch any of the original XFL. I've seen the documentary. That's all of the XFL I've ever seen. So, Yeah, Tommy Maddox was the, I believe they called it then, the, the um, big one at the end of the season. It was some stupid name. Uh, but yeah, Tommy, Tommy Maddox was the championship game MVP and then went on to play, you know, really solid football for the for the Steelers for a few years until mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Arians decided that they needed to draft some kid from Miami University. Wonder whatever happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He 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 won, dis- he won some Super Bowls. He disappeared into oblivion along with he hate me. He hate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean like the, you know, the Orlando Apollos are the the AAF champions for the one year they existed, and they didn't actually get to a championship game. But yeah, we'll see. But I agree with what you said about Quentin. Anyway, I think I think Quentin Flowers definitely has to be a part of the Vipers' offensive strategy. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting, and I think it's a smart move. You know, I don't know how it was coordinated, whether it's a league thing or a team thing, or if it just kind of happened that way. But a smart move to bring you know a quarterback from Tampa to the Vipers, and then of course you know, the local hero or, or favorite, whatever you want to call him, and Quentin Flowers. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it was a good move on their part. And then, I don't know, any other any other significant players or notable players from the Guardians that you, that you see? Um, nothing that really jumps out to me. Uh, their starting running back is Tim Cook. Um... Other than that, no really recognizable names. And um, I will ask you this, David. Now, have you have you officially aligned yourself with the Vipers as your XFL team? Uh, I mean, I suppose. I don't know. I don't really have a team. I guess in in the in the. I mean, we're gonna do some coverage of the Vipers. You know, we'll probably write some some post game stuff and and keep along with them during the season and and what they're doing uh, over at Bucks Nation. We've got some approval to do some light Vipers coverage. We're, we're tied in with, with their PR staff over there. So, I mean, we'll, we'll do some coverage stuff for them. I don't know if I would call myself a fan per se. I'm definitely not going to be buying any gear or anything anytime soon. But, yeah, I mean, you know, hope they do well because we're going to write about them. And just like we always say, it's more fun to write about winning football than it is losing football. I don't know. I might get that hat that – Lou from Port Ritchie posted on Twitter because that thing was slick. I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I I feel I feel I could rock a neon green hat. I don't feel like I could rock anything neon green, but hey, um, I have spent the last week in Seattle. There's a lot of neon green around me. 
That is true. Well, I I ask this because you know my my fourteen year old he's really excited for the XFL, but he didn't have a team, and so you know we were talking about how does he go about finding a team. Obviously, my my ten year old and I immediately aligned with the Vipers. Number one because I think they have the coolest team name, uh, and number two because they're Tampa Bay, and so that was just an easy choice for me. But my my 14-year-old is a Packer fan, so he really didn't have any direction to go in. Um, so we started looking up which XFL teams have the most former Ohio State Buckeyes. He's also an Ohio State fan. And um, Smart. Do you, no. Do you know which XFL team is the home mm. to the most Buckeyes? Coincidentally, no. It's also my least favorite XFL team now. Uh, I mean, you have a, I, you have a one have in eight shot. The DC Defenders. You yeah. are correct, one hundred percent. It is the DC Defenders. I believe when I counted, they had four. It's surprising that Ohio State actually has four players not playing in the NFL. So that's that's interesting. Oh dear God. Um, did any Ohio State Buckeyes <laughs> play for the Chiefs this past season? Uh, at least one. Darren Lee did. I haven't. I haven't. I didn't scrub their roster. For me, it's as soon as I know there's at least one, then I'm good. So I stopped at Darren Lee, but there might be some others. Uh, okay. I I thought I might have had one up on you because there is a former Illini that is now a Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. Who's that? Oh, you asked me too fast. He's an offensive lineman. Okay. But Sammy Watkins, who played for Clemson, who broke the heart of every Buckeye fan in the nation the year that Clemson whooped Ohio State in the playoffs, is also I remember that. a Super Bowl champion. I remember, too, because I wanted the Buccaneers to draft Sammy that year. Um, I, I did, really, too. I was really big on Sammy Watkins that year. So, But, yeah. All right. Well, David, let's um... – why the hell not? Let's do score predictions. We're not going to do predictive players in the game. Oh, we're right. <laughs> we're going to do score predictions. Um, what do you think? Who's winning this one, the Vipers or the Guardians? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with the Vipers because, I don't know, Aaron Murray at Georgia was better than Matt McGloin at Penn State, so why not? <laughs> that is uh, that is sound reasoning, sir. <laughs> Cool. All right. Yeah, what, what's, gonna win. Uh, but, but what's the score? Oh, man. 27 to 18 because I don't know, the Fifers are going are gonna to score three touchdowns with three three-point conversions, and the Guardians are going to score three touchdowns with no extra point conversions. So 27 to 18. That's crazy. They, both teams could score three touchdowns apiece and actually have – that big of a score difference in the final, depending like that's that's nuts, man. So there, there's my there's my score prediction: twenty seven eighteen. All right, I will take the Vipers. Mm, twenty nine to twenty five. All right. Yeah, sure. Why not? We can throw out some <laughs> wild scores because you just never know which which conversion they are going to go for. Oh, oh, 
So it'll be interesting to see how the strategies play out in real time because you really can't. Like, you can't – there's just no way to come into this. I mean, I, I know they did some scrimmages and all that stuff, but there's really no way to come into this knowing, you know, in what situations do you go for which extra points. It's really going to be all kind of just play how you feel. I mean, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting. Absolutely. Uh, again, the Vipers and the Guardians will be on Fox at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Um, David, that is going to do it for this episode, but it's great to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be back, and I will be back for uh, this episode, and then, I don't know, that's it until the end of February. <laughs> so. Well, Welcome. actually, well, no, you know what? People will hear my voice during our episodes, of course, but they'll also hear it in the beginning of all of our episodes next week because I did that. So there you go. There's something. Yeah, that's right. I mean, David and I will both be on every episode next week. However, it's not really new content because of David's traveling schedule and my hectic schedule for next week. David and I are both taking the week off. However, that does not mean that you are going to miss out on content over the course of the season. We gained a lot of listeners. We do have some, some people that have just started listening to us and we appreciate all of you, of course. So David and I next week are running a best of the locked on bucks podcast. And we are going to feature five interviews that we did last off season with various current and former and maybe soon to be former Buccaneers players. Um, so we will we will still have content coming out to you. And a lot of you may have forgotten those interviews. They were so early. I mean, some of these were coming up on about a year ago now. Um, you know, you you may forget some of the things that some of these guys said. And, you know, we we talked to some great people last year. We talked to Shaq, we talked to Brashad. We we referenced these interviews all throughout the year because they did leave an impression. And now we have an opportunity for our listeners to go back and, and listen to that again and kind of compare it to how their season went. Or we have listeners that have the opportunity to hear that for the first time. So hope you all enjoy kind of a, a best of week as as David continues to travel for work. I have a really busy schedule coming up next week. So it just seemed like the right time in the off season to be able to do something like that. Does that sound good, David? It sounds fantastic. Good, because it's already scheduled because you put in all that work before you started traveling. So until then, true. even though there will not be quote unquote new content on the podcast, there still will be new content over at bucksnation.com where you can see everything that David and I are doing coming up soon. We're going to begin our 30 prospects in 30 days series featuring a different draft prospect every day. And then shortly after that, we start our 30 free agent spotlights in 30 days. Uh, it's going to, or no, we're starting with the free agent spotlights and then we're going into the draft prospects. I have my calendar wrong. I blame exhaustion because David has ditched me for the last two weeks to handle this podcast all by myself. <laughs> So yeah, coming up soon, we will start our, our free agent spotlights where we will feature 30 of those in 30 days, followed up by 30 draft prospects in 30 days. All of that will be over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, at Evan underscore Winner, and at Bucks underscore 
Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Enjoy the XFL if you are going to indulge. I mean, hey, it's football. It's a little bit more football in the year, which means once the XFL ends, it's a little less time to wait before the Buccaneer season begins. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.